Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday, May 9th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, a pretty good weekend for the Guardians, uh, taking three out of four from the Toronto Blue Jays. They wrap up the uh, quick six-game homestand there at four and two, beating a couple of really uh, uh, good teams. Uh, and, and really, the, the story here was the offense actually you know, coming back to life after struggling during that uh, 10 game road trip. Yeah, Joe. I mean, especially, you know, I thought uh, Sunday's win kind of encapsulated that whole thing. Uh, you know, we saw the ability to come back and that was the one thing um, you had to wonder about this Cleveland team, you know, did they have enough firepower to, uh, you know, rally late and, 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 and win games in the late innings. And, you know, they scored two in the eighth, uh, on Sunday to beat the uh, to beat the Blue Jays, you know, four to three. Uh, that was really encouraging, and they did it with some power too. Owen Miller hits a home run, and you know, then they do it. Uh, you know, then uh, Mercado drives in the game winner. Yeah, you're talking about firepower, and uh, no one is happier than Framil Reyes to be uh, sort of more himself at the plate right now. Uh, the firepower is what they expect out of the. The, the six foot four, 260 pounder. And uh, uh, he certainly provided that, hit a home run on uh, Saturday in the doubleheader and had what, three hits that day, had three hits Sunday, uh, batting over 500 in his last six games and, and really looks more like himself hitting the ball at the middle, taking singles when he can get them, but uh, not looking like he's completely lost the plate as he was the, the previous week and a half. Yeah, you could tell uh, that he's hopefully he's turned the corner. Um, you know, like you said, that th- that game where he had the three singles was the kind of the tip of the iceberg. Then he started to drive the ball. He, you know, those three singles were, you know, one was to center, one was to left, one was to uh, right field. Then, uh, you know, you saw him start driving the ball. And uh, I think it looked like he relaxed, Joe. It looked like he's, you know, he had the weight of the world on him. You know, uh, I think he knew more than anybody that he was letting the club down and uh, finally just uh, started a different approach. He looked, listened to, you know, Chris Faleka and and, um, and Victor Rodriguez and the guys, you know, the hitting coaches to, you know, 
pick out one pitch and try to do some damage on it. Don't try to hit three run home runs when there, when there's nobody on base. And that's what he was trying to do. Well, and, and then we talked to him uh, late Saturday after the, the, the second game of the doubleheader, And he talked in just in talking to him, he knew what pitches were coming. He knew which pitches he was seeing and, and laying off and, and what to expect. So when he's talking like that and, and, and you can see the, the, the wheels turning uh, in, in his process there, it, it sort of gave you a little confidence that, that, you know, it's not just walk up to the plate and guess what's coming and swing at it. You know, there was an approach. It wasn't working out for him maybe on the road, but at, at home, like you said, he felt a little more re- relaxed. Here's the problem. He's batting 409 at home. He's batting like 112 on the road. So, Ouch. you know, their uh, six-game trip starts tonight in Chicago and Minnesota, and this is where it, it's going to, you know, come through. Is is Fran Mill back to where he needs to be, uh, and, and will that pay off in some, some base hits on the road, not just, uh, you know, another 0 for 26 with 18 strikeouts sort of streak? Yeah, this is where the rubber meets the road, I guess. Uh, oh, that's bad. Uh, no, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think sometimes like power hitters get it in their mind that if if they if they hit a single, it's like you go fishing and you catch a little fish, you throw it back. You know, they're not interested in singles. Uh, <laughs> Napoli, you, you, you used to say they didn't sign me to. Uh, to hit singles. I'm here to hit home runs. And when they don't hit home runs, when they don't do damage, I think they, the hole gets bigger and bigger. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Fran Mill knows that sometimes you can win, win a game with a single. You don't have to hit it 400 feet. And uh, we'll have to see if he can uh, bottle what he had at, at home and take it on the road here against the White Sox and the Twins. You, you mentioned Owen Miller and uh, just a, a lot of confidence at the plate right now. He's a totally different hitter than he was maybe in May of last year when he first came up uh, and, and they sent him back down after struggling and he came in, came up at the end of the season, uh, figured some things out. And then Tito said during the off season was when it really sort of clicked in. And, and ever since spring training, he's looked like a completely different hitter. Uh, Owen Miller looks like you can put him anywhere in that Cleveland lineup and he's going to hit. He's hit second. He's hit, you know, and now the last 10 games, he's hit in the cleanup spot. Uh, anywhere that you put him, it looks like he's going to be able to produce. Yeah, you know, and I think the big thing is, Joe, uh, you know, like you said, confidence. And um, he's turning on the ball, and he's had, having success turning on the ball. You know, he's pulling it to, to left field, whereas last year, I think when he tried to pull the ball, you know, it, 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 you know, he, he didn't have that success. So, you know, we're seeing him drive the ball, seeing him drive in runs. I think that home run uh, Sunday was a perfect example of that. Yeah. And that home run came off of uh, uh, a left-hander in, uh, you know, Tim, Tim Maisie, uh from Toronto. And then uh, that, that sort of forced them to uh, go to Adam Simber, the, the former Cleveland reliever. And he came in, uh, walked Andres Jimenez, uh, you know, gave up the, uh, um, the game-winning uh, single to Oscar Mercado at the middle. Mercado sort of, uh, he said the first pitch uh, that, that Simber threw him, it, 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 you know, he's not exactly the hardest thrower in the world, 
and Simber sort of screwed himself into the ground on that first swing uh, and then told himself after that, okay, just, you know, lay off the sliders, lay off the soft stuff and look for something over the middle. And he, he got an elevated fastball and just chopped it in or, you know, uh, lined it into center field for the game winning hit. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch a young guy, uh, you know, sort of work through that process and, 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 you know, figure things out at the plate uh, as, as he did just in that one at bat. Yeah. Mercado has been uh, an interesting guy to watch. I mean, you know, he's, he's been, he's had, he's had some success, you know, driving in runs. It doesn't have that great a batting average, but uh, you know, maybe, you know, he's starting to kind of rediscover what he was two years ago and, and can, uh, you know, get some, get some momentum going. And uh, Simber, that was a you know nice job against Simber because he was pitching very, very well for uh, Toronto. You know, they, he had great numbers coming in and, uh, you know, Cleveland did what they, uh, they should have done against them. Yeah. What was he four and four and one? I think he had, uh, was leading the, the majors in, in total wins uh, yeah. on, on, on the way into the series. So, and that was the first time I, I think we had seen him in the series. Uh, uh, right. They, they waited until the very end to bring him in. Uh, a couple other guys who, who had nice weekends and were really productive. Uh, Josh Naylor and Andres Jimenez, uh, you know, Naylor seems to have really settled in and, uh, you know, found some consistency. Just to, again, everything that he's doing this year is just completely unexpected. Uh, I, I, for one, thought that it was going to be midseason before we saw him back and, and healthy enough to be contributing. And he's not only uh, healthy enough, he's out there, uh, you know, driving in runs driving in big runs and in, in wins earlier in, uh, in the homestand. And, uh, you know, again, the, the, the fire and the energy that he provides and the leadership that he provides uh, is, is just, it's so much more important than, than what he's even doing in the outfield. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's uh, he, you know, he, right now he's, he's a comeback player of the year to me. I mean, uh, I'm sure there's somebody else in the American league or the national league that, you know, are doing, uh, you know, are, have overcome something like, you know, a big injury or whatever from last season. But uh, Naylor, I don't think anyone has come back as far as Naylor has. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you like him more in right field or in first base, Joe? I know he's, he's dropped a couple balls there at first base, but, you know, I just, I just really appreciate, like you said, the hustle and the way he's swinging the bat, you know, lefties, righties. He's doing a nice job. Yeah, I think the one thing you can say about Naylor's defense is that he's not letting – if he does make a mistake, if he does drop a ball like he did on the uh, the one play earlier yesterday, uh, you know, had it – those were like easy plays that are, you know, in the glove. This is a, a comebacker to, to Connor Pilkington. He throws over to first and just – it just doesn't stick in his glove. Uh, the, the one thing you could say about Josh Naylor is that play doesn't stick with him. Uh, it, it doesn't carry over into the next play. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you know, snowball or anything like that. It, uh, it becomes, you know, a, a learning point for him. I, I would be shocked if we saw him make uh, any more of those uh, kind of uh, mental mistakes and, and dropping the ball, uh, you know, over the next couple of weeks here. Uh, yeah. I, I like his versatility, but if you want to talk about defense, you got to talk about Andres Jimenez and what he was able to do over the last couple of games here. Um, just at, at second base, you know, robbing uh, a couple of uh, 
Toronto uh, hits. Uh, Santiago Espinal tries to take off Tristan McKenzie's head with a line drive. And coming up behind him is Andres Jimenez uh, with, a, with a nice stop and, and throw to get um, Espinal. Uh, I, I think there, was, there were several plays over this homestand that Andres Jimenez proved that he's, you know, if not uh, an excellent defender at second base, you know, should probably be probably be playing shortstop for this team uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, I think he's moving in that direction, Joe, definitely. That game, the second game of the doubleheader with McKenzie on the mound, I mean, he made like three great plays. You know, uh, Guriel almost knocked him down with the line drive in the first inning. He catches that ball, kind of does that little 360 on his hip and throws him out. Then, then the throw to get Espinal at uh, the relay to get Espinal at third, and then again Espinal in the uh, in the fifth, he gets him with uh, another kind of hip turn and you know and and throw. It just uh, really acrobatic acrobatic plays and plays. You know we didn't see a whole lot of last year. We didn't. We just didn't see that because you know he came from the Mets with the reputation of being that kind of defender and. But we're starting to see it now, and uh, I think it all, it goes hand in hand with the success he's having as as uh, you know at the plate. Right, uh, I think it's both ways because you saw what he did in that series in Oakland, where Ahmed Rosario was resting his wrist, and uh, they put him at short for for all three games, and it was almost like you know what happened to Rosario last year when you moved Rosario to shortstop, Rosario took off offensively. You put uh, um, Jimenez at shortstop. Jimenez takes off offensively. Uh, it, there's only one shortstop on the field. It's, it's <laughs> tough. It, it's tough. But you know who gets the golden goose? Who gets the uh, the uh, sort of the the position where that their offense gets to sort of take off at that point? Uh, I, I think right now uh, you got to get Rosario back to you know back going like he was last year, but. You know, maybe Rosario is one of those guys, uh, the notorious guys who who don't hit in the cold weather. And when it starts to warm up, he warms up. And, you know, what would this offense look like top to bottom if Rosario was one of those guys hitting 300 like he was last year? Yeah, you know, when we've seen him at his best and, uh, you know, he's hitting line drives and the the one aspect of his game that I think probably people, you know, don't appreciate as much as his speed. You know, once he gets on the bases, he's he's a different, you know, he really is a difference maker. So, you know, if uh, Ahmed can uh, get going and, uh, you know, start uh, reaching base and uh, driving the ball to all parts of the park, I think, you know, he adds his speed gives you an extra dimension there. Well, Rosario was the number two hitter in front of uh, Jose Ramirez last year. Uh, the number two hitter in front of Jose Ramirez this year has been Stephen Kwan on a regular basis. And, and really, if you look at it, you wrote about this uh, last week, but is, is Stephen Kwan sort of the glue that holds together the, the top of that Guardians lineup? And uh, you can go back, uh, you know, five, six games here. When, when Kwan got back to uh, playing regularly after that Oakland series and, and, you know, feeling healthy with the – he had missed a few games with the tight hamstring. Uh, that's when everybody started contributing up and down the lineup. And it wasn't just look at Jose Ramirez for uh, a big hit and a big RBI. It was everybody was, was chipping in. It's funny. It goes in cycles. The first week and a half or so of the season, 
it was Ramirez and, and, and everybody contributing. Then it was only Jose contributing uh, for, you know, most of that road trip. And now it's back to everybody sort of chipping in. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a good point about Quan. Uh, he really helps to, you know, the top three of the, that, that lineup, Straw, Quan, Ramirez, um, you know, Straw didn't have that great of a, you know, a series against Toronto, but, you know, he gives you defense, he gives you speed and uh, Quan, you know, it's kind of the same kind of player. They're, they're cut from the same cloth almost, you know, one's a righty, one's a lefty, um, you know, when they do get on base, they can, you know, the, their speed factors into it. And, uh, you know, you know, he um, it's an, just, <clears throat> he, he's interesting to watch. He's, uh, you know, he, like, we, like we've been saying all along, he doesn't strike out that much. He makes contact and uh, he makes things happen on the, on the bases. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it is a really good point because it's the point that you made earlier in the week. That's what I'm saying. You know, of course you think it's a good point. I, I, you came up with it. Uh, yeah. As far as straw goes, I think his contribution, if he's getting on base and, and, and hitting the ball the way that, that he's able to, that's great. He also gives uh, Tito, you know, peace of mind and just, you know, reassurance. He plays every day. He's out there. That's one thing, you know, leadoff hitter and center fielder that Tito doesn't have to worry about, just pencils it in every game. He plays every day. Uh, I, I think the, the reassurance that he gives, uh, you know, Francona is, is probably as much uh, an important part of his game as, as anything else. Uh, you know, the one thing we haven't really talked about here, we've been talking for 15 minutes about all these hitters in this offense. Uh, you know, the pitching wasn't all that bad this week and, and this weekend. Uh, really, the only start that stands out as, you know, one that you would have questions about would be uh, Shane Bieber uh, getting roughed up uh, in the opening game of the doubleheader on Saturday uh, against uh, Toronto. I think they put up six runs on him. And, uh, you know, just, you know, what are we seeing there and what are the concerns there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, Bieber's first start ever as, a, as a, you know, well, in the big leagues with Cleveland. Uh, that, that he didn't register a strikeout, went three and a third, gave up eight hits, uh, three walks, and, you know, it was a brutal day out weather-wise. And, but, you know, he retires the first five guys and then, you know, gives up four runs in the, in the second inning, and that was basically the ball game. And I think, you know, what we've seen and what we've seen from him, you know, in his first four or five starts this season, we, we just haven't seen uh, the velocity that Shane had, you know, the last couple of years, especially in his Cy Young year, I was looking at a baseball savant in 2020, uh, his four seam fastball, you know, average velo was 94.1 right now. It's at 90.6. Uh, the cut fastball 2020, uh, the average velo was 89.2. Now it's 86. So, you know, there's, there, there, it, there is a little drop in the velocity and I don't know. I think he's healthy, Joe, but what do you see? What, what do you think the, you know, that, that hold up in velocity is? I think he's held. There's a difference between being healthy and being strong. And I think that's where we're, that's sort of that gray area that we're in right now with him. I don't think there's anything physically holding him back, but I do think that he's not built up and strong enough at, at the point like he was, uh, during that 2020 season, like you're saying, 
Now, again, you got to remember the 2020 season, that's a smaller sample size. Yeah. He made, he made what half, not even half the start, 12 starts that year. Something. Yeah. yeah something I'm not like sure. Yeah. And I think it was maybe, you know, 18 starts. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, It was, it was significantly fewer starts. So the sample size is going to be smaller. Obviously the, the velocity numbers are going to be higher in, in that year uh, in terms of average, but, but you're right. It's, it's a noticeable difference that, that he's not, you know, striking guys out with 92, 93, 94, he's you know, getting to those numbers right now is, is sort of an accomplishment for him. Uh, I, I do think that as he continues to work, as he continues to, you know, go through the season, he's going to get stronger and get more built up. But I think expecting it to be just all of a sudden, oh, one day he's throwing 92, 93, 94. I, I, I don't, don't think that's going to be the case. I think you got to be patient with it. And I think he realizes that he's got to be patient with it. And uh, I know that he's been asked about his velocity a couple of times and he kind of bristles every time he's, he's, he talks about it. So, you know, he knows, you know, that it's on his mind, but the hope is that he doesn't do anything to sort of deviate or change. That's going to cause another injury and cause him to miss games. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, I think last year he probably learned a lesson uh, you know, he was pitching with that shoulder for it wasn't just that one game in, against Seattle where it popped up. You know, it, it had been an issue, I think. Uh, you know, he was dealing with it. And I, I don't think he wants to go through that again. So I think he wants to make sure, you know, everything is 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 set, that he's healthy and that, you know, I mean, he's got. I mean, there's like, what, 25, 24, 26 more starts. I mean, maybe 25 more starts he's got this season. Uh, and uh, I think he I think he should be all right. And he really took that game tough. You know, he kind of he took the loss and kind of shouldered that loss. So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back and his next, what his next start looks like. Yeah. And, you know, don't just go out there and try to throw 94 just to just to throw 94 and satisfy people who are, who are asking questions or, or whatever, you know, there's a plan and, and, you know, talk to your coaches and, and make sure that you're, you're reaching your milestones and your progressions, you know, in a way that's healthy and naturally, as opposed to trying to push something where all of a sudden we're dealing with uh, a long-term injury that, that would be even worse that he avoided surgery, you know, the first, with the first injury. That's that's a blessing. Learn from that and move forward. You know, you don't want to have to do something where where you go and have to have them open you up. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He'll, I, I don't think he'll do anything crazy. Uh, I just wanted to go back. Uh, one more, uh, you know, uh, guy to touch on Aaron Savali, who uh, after after that first inning on uh, uh, what was it Thursday? Yeah. the uh, Yeah. Right. Yeah. After the against the Blue Jays early in that that game. Uh, you know, it looked like the, the world was crashing down again, but then Savali sort of writes the ship and he was lights out. Uh, well, what do you make of, of Savali's last start? Yeah, that was encouraging. That was his best start of the year. I think he, you know, he, he readily admitted that, you know, the first inning he gives up a two run, two run laser to a, a Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and you're sitting there thinking, uh-oh, here we go again. And uh, But then he came back. He struck out the two guys to end the inning, struck out the next two guys to start the second, and he was on his way. Uh, showed a great curveball, Joe. Uh, and I think, you know, what Savali throws five or six, maybe seven different pitches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some guys, uh, 
you know, struggle with that. You know, it's hard to control all those pitches at once. You know, Savali's the kind of guy that says, I like to throw a lot of pitches because if one isn't working, I can go to another one. And obviously the curveball was working uh, against Toronto. And uh, I think at the end of that start at, you know, the, the uh, Indians came back and I mean, the guardians won that game six, five. Mm-hmm. And after the game, he said, you know, that's something for me to build on. You know, that's the start I was looking for. And uh, we'll have to see how he carries that into his next his next outing. Yeah, well, uh, talk about the, the next outing. Uh, these guys are on the road now. Uh, you're there in Chicago with them. Zach Plesak going tonight. Uh, last time Zach Plesak started an early May game in, uh, in Chicago. Uh, it didn't go so well for them uh, last year. Uh, what are we looking for in this series? Both teams coming in hot guardians winning seven out of nine. And I think Chicago's what six in a row. Yes. Chicago's won six in a row, you know, seven of the last 10 uh, guardians. What a one, like you said, seven of their last nine. Uh, I think we're going to see a different Chicago team than we saw in Cleveland. Moncada's um, coming back. He should be back tonight. Um, uh, uh, Kelly, Joe Kelly, the reliever should make, you know, be ready to make his Chicago de- debut. Uh, they're, they're, a, they're a little healthier and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully for, if for those White Sox fans out there, they're playing better defense because that was, that was a circus in Cleveland, Joe, when, what we saw in those, uh, what those three or four games. Yeah. Tim Anderson, uh, should be having nightmares, uh, about, uh, ground balls coming at him, uh, at that progressive field. Uh, but he's at home this week. So, all right, Hoinsey, we will check in again tomorrow. Another edition of the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. Hey, for our, um, our listeners here, uh, don't forget to subscribe to subtext. Uh, you can send a, uh, a text to 216-298-4346 or log on to cleveland.com slash subtext, uh, $3.99 a month, and you get uh, information, uh, updates, and insight from Paul and myself uh, from the clubhouse, from uh, every time we talk to uh, Tito immediately after that. Uh, so you're the first to know uh, any changes or moves uh, here with the team. Oinzy, uh, have a great uh, week on the road, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. All right, Joe.